Hi, today I'm in studio with Jackie Parker. We'll be talking about her novel, Our Lady of Infidelity. It's a beautifully written novel about love and faith. Let's find out how this novel mirrors her own life. Don't go away. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. I love that fun, jazzy piano oh, music. It's really good. <laughs> we should dance a little bit. First. It makes me want yeah. to. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Book Circle Online. I am in studio with Jackie Parker. Now, before we get started, where can everyone find you? Um, they can find me at my website, JackieParker.co, or on Facebook. Jackie Parker author or Our Lady of Infidelity has a Facebook page all to herself. <laughs> because everyone needs a Facebook page. Everyone, even a book. <laughs> this is true. And I'm your host, Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That Zoe Said What. Now, before we get too deep into the book, in your own words, can you tell us how you would describe it? Um... I would describe it as a book that came to me as the most enormous surprise of my life. Um, A wonderful writer named Brian Morton, who blurbed it, said, this is a book about the many different ways in which love can take us by surprise. And I think that really captures it, because there's love of all kinds in the book, love between men and women, between women and children, between people in a community. And this other kind of love that we just don't understand, this all-encompassing, unconditional love that sometimes, if we're very lucky, flows down to us from a greater source. Absolutely. And there are, it's interesting because there are so many different types of love that sometimes I think we lose track of, that love isn't just a one type of thing. And so that's what we see in this book. And so there's also a great theme of religion, but faith. And so how do you differentiate between faith and religion? It's really interesting because I'm not that interested in religion. (laughs) Um, But I am interested in the force that unifies all of us, because Mm -hmm. sometimes what happens with religion, even though it channels a very beautiful energy to people, it separates them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to walk that line between this God force, universal love and um, something that would unify everybody, Mm -hmm. even people who didn't like each other, which is why I put them in that small town together. And so they're all in a small town of infidelity near Joshua Tree. And it's about the story of a young girl named Luz who goes and she sees in a window, she has basically a religious experience. And then all the other members of the town right, go and have different experiences. And I think it's interesting that we don't hear also what every single person is seeing. What did you picture for all of them? Um, well, some of I I try to include parts of their experience that they could speak about. Luce mm-hmm. is a genuine mystic, and I actually had a Jungian psychologist read the book and say, "Why this is a true mystical mm-hmm. child? They really exist." And I wasn't even sure that they did, um, but. The other people are all being opened and touched in ways that open them in the way that a mystic might be opened. Mm -hmm. So um, Zoe hears a voice, Mm -hmm. and she actually sees something in this window that she put in herself, Mm -hmm. and she only did it for the money because she was desperate. Mm -hmm. She sees a lovely, kind woman um, who says, you're doing very well, and her life is a mess at this point. So just to hear that as 
happens mm-hmm. sometimes to all of us. When mm-hmm. we feel like our lives are a mess, something greater is there for us that says, you're doing very well. And Walt, uh, the car wash owner, whose life is also falling apart, he's mm-hmm. divorced, he's lost his business, he doesn't know his way, he's opened a car wash, mm-hmm. which his family thinks is crazy, he has this extraordinary heart-opening experience where he can't even put it into words. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then the priest, Father Bill, is afraid of mystical experience, mm-hmm. which very often religious leaders are because it's uncontrollable mm-hmm. and it's dangerous. But he also is touched by it. Mm-hmm. So I tried to capture the different ways this can come to people, even in ways they can't speak about. And that's quite a trick, to be (laughs) trying to write a book about something that people can't speak about. Mm -hmm. It was a real task for me. (laughs) I would imagine so, and with so many characters who are seeing so many different things. And the interesting thing with Walt, who owns the car wash, as you mentioned, is that part of the story is that, of course, he was hesitant to put in the window for so long. He couldn't make a decision, essentially. But then he kept picturing that eventually he'd have people at his car wash. And do you feel like that was a bit of faith as well, that he would eventually have customers? Yeah. I, what Walt was doing, which really makes me laugh, is he was doing the visualizing exercise. <laughs> he doesn't know it. But, you know, it's the kind of thing that athletes do, where you see the result. He was kind of, some people might say he was depressed. I think he was taking a deep time out from life, Mm -hmm. and he was picturing what he wanted, because he had built a beautiful car wash Mm -hmm. that would give people an experience to cleanse themselves Mm -hmm. and feel better, even weep, Mm -hmm. which, you know, sometimes we really need to do. (laughs) But basically, he was lying on his couch trying to figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. And yes, um, I think there's some irony in this Mm -hmm. book, and that's certainly one of them, that, you know, he's Mm -hmm. got this window from Home Depot, it's behind the couch, people are tripping over it, Mm -hmm. and he's forced by Father Bill and Mm -hmm. Zoe to put it in. And this theme of being able to see, then, also, of course, it starts with the window that people are tripping over, and, of course, the water, too, the cleansing, which is so often a symbol of rebirth and cleansing, and, of course, how appropriate, then, that it all takes place at a car wash. I have to tell you, I tried so hard to get a rainstorm into the novel, (laughs) and it was like, no, it was too hokey. I had to take it out. The best I could do was the car wash. But, yes, that amazing Mm -hmm. cleansing that you feel, and especially in the desert, Mm -hmm. oh, where, you know, it's so dry, what water does, just even the sound of it and Mm -hmm. uh, and the look of it. And what else do we do in California but spend time in our cars? So you get to Mm -hmm. see it while you're inside your car. And how funny, because I actually went to the car wash recently because my windows were so dirty that I could not see through them any longer. That was an inspired choice. (laughs) It was. It definitely was. Now, looking through the window also reminded me a little bit of actually Harry Potter and the mirror that everyone looked through to see their heart's desire. So what do you think you would see if you had looked through that window? I do look through that window. (laughs) I do. I meditate. Mm -hmm. And it's actually one of the great gifts that that book gave me. I was a skeptic when I started, and I'm now a meditation teacher (laughs) um, of a a kind in which I do. I I look through the window, and it's kind of private, I think, what Mm -hmm. people see. And and nobody sees the same two things, and Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I put into the book. So... um, I can tell you that it's very beautiful, and that is what inspired the first line of the book. There's a form of love so beautiful, we can mm-hmm. hardly stand to be in its presence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great contradiction that we all experience. Mm-hmm. 
this is too good. I can't be like this, Mm -hmm. you know, because my daily life isn't like that. How can there be something so beautiful for us on this earth when we're dealing with so many difficulties and there is so much ugliness in the world? That's another kind of part of the book that Mm -hmm. I was trying to wrestle with and find some answers to myself. And so how did your meditation practice come from this book? And the writing started and then you began meditating? Uh, Yeah, it started as an accident. I had 75 pages of this wonderful book in which I was making fun of mystical experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in an artist colony and someone there who I had a lovely connection with offered to do an open eyes meditation with me as kind of a celebration of our friendship mm-hmm. and I I had never meditated I didn't know what he was talking about mm-hmm. and then we sat down and I have to say in a studio where John Lennon used to work mm-hmm. and, and Leonard Bernstein wonderful composers and I had an extraordinary mystical experience mm-hmm. but I was so naive I just thought oh no wonder people meditate this is so wonderful <laughs> everyone should meditate mm-hmm. and then two weeks later I was in Los Angeles um, mm-hmm. and I discovered my teacher who is Bruce Rubin mm-hmm. and Bruce Rubin is the man who wrote Ghost who has had a 45 year meditation practice and when I went to him he taught me the technique and it was the same technique that my friend had done with me 3,000 miles away Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks before. And that kind of led me onto a path that I would not have believed existed if I hadn't been walking it myself. And so is meditation a part of your daily life now? Uh, Pretty much. I try to meditate every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. If Mm -hmm. a couple of days go by and I don't meditate, I feel wrong in my body. Mm There's such, uh, now, there's such wonderful research about what happens to the brain through meditation. So whether you see anything mystically or just have this deep connection inside or Mm -hmm. shift the way you deal with anxiety and suffering, meditation is just a wonderful thing to do. And that's what these characters in the book are doing, too. Essentially, they're meditating in front of this window and having these amazing experiences. Yeah. And how much do you think that the area of Joshua Tree influenced the book? Do you think this could have taken place in a small town somewhere else? That's a great question. Um, There is a long tradition of mystical experience in the desert, so I drew on that. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was doing the research for the book. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things um, that I that I picked up on, you know, what will have most resonance, but there's a much more mundane experience that happened, and I will, my sister and Mm brother-in-law took my son and his friend out camping in Joshua Tree in in our car, and the radiator exploded. Oh my goodness. Well, it didn't explode, but the car broke, Mm -hmm. and we, I had to go down and rescue them. I was so angry, and it cost a fortune, Mm -hmm. and there was a, a, um, someone like Bryant Platts, mm-hmm. a mechanic who had the car hostage and it cost me $600 to fix it, mm-hmm. uh, but I ha- kept having to go back. Mm-hmm. And then my sister and I got to wander around in that part of the world mm-hmm. and there was this strange little town. 
And, and I looked across the street, and there was a tiny car wash there. Uh, now, it's not there anymore, so I don't know if I invented some of that <laughs> or not. But uh, that's, what, that's what got me fascinated mm-hmm. by that part of the world. I kind of carried it around with me. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's really funny that you mentioned the car in particular, because earlier I asked you if you saw parts of yourself in the characters within the book, because yeah. as I was reading and then doing some research about you, I felt like I saw different characters representative of you. So it's interesting now that you mentioned the car, which was the experience that Zoe had as well. Yes, right. And so I'm wondering if there's maybe more of you in the book than you realize. I'm sure there is, but it's not my job to talk about (laughs) it. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's kind of such a naked experience when you write because you're you're coming from a the, the hidden part of yourself, your unconscious, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're writing things that you don't really know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if someone wanted to deconstruct parts of my personality, they could probably <laughs> find them in all of the characters. And yeah. do you think the fact that this is a book about love and faith makes it a little bit more raw for you or a little more naked? Um, the love part is comfortable for me. It's really, I mean, I do, and you know, people in my family for years mm-hmm. would laugh at me for, oh my God, do you have to love that? You know, <laughs> I do kind of have an excess of love uh-huh. um, in, in my being. I always have things that people think are not so pretty. I'll say, oh, that's so beautiful. And actually, I've been a teacher all my life. Mm-hmm. And one of the great gifts that I discovered was I could look at people and see things in them, really potential. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, kind of love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part, that uh, that sense of what we can give to each other and what we can see in each other is very mm-hmm. much a part of who I am. And the fact that you're a teacher, it's actually interesting, right, that it was one of your students who put you in touch with the agent who eventually got the book sold yeah. and published it. So will you share that story? Um, Kimberly Clark, I have to thank her so much. Um, I teach writing workshops now for all kinds of people and uh, all different types of people. And it took me 10 years to write the book. During the course of the book, I had one wonderful agent after another take it on, give me a suggestion. It would take me a year to rewrite it. I'd give it back to the agent, and then the agent would say, "Mm, no, and I'd start all over again. The last agent that I went to said, this book is ready. We just have one little thing to do. We need to cut 200 pages. Oh, that's a big cut. That's one little thing. (laughs) But it was a fantastic opportunity, and I did Mm -hmm. it with her. We did it in six weeks, and Mm -hmm. the book you read is what we got. But she could not sell it. 25 Mm -hmm. uh, uh, editors turned Mm -hmm. it down. I had other people who were connected in publishing. Mm -hmm. I'd done other work. No one would take the book, and it sat on my shelf for five years. And for five years, I woke up every morning thinking, this is not possible. Mm -hmm. And it was. And I kind of gave up and was thinking, maybe I'll self-publish it. Mm -hmm. And Kim Clark said to me one day, "Um, we got to get you into print. Mm -hmm. And um, she knows a lot of people because her husband's a producer. He's actually the president now of Seth MacFarlane's company, Jason Clark. So they work with agents all the time. She handed it to Anna Termine, who is an agent in uh, New York. She read it, and she said, I'm going to sell this book. And in three weeks, it was bought by Cal Barksdale at Arcade Publishing, just like that. I mean, how amazing, just like that, after 10 years, just like that. And how did you feel when you got, was it a call? Was it a letter? It was, it was, it was a call. 
But yeah, it was a call. I mean, I can still see where I was. It was the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was is the middle of the day I was standing in my dining room talking to actually one of my sons who was mm-hmm. here who was at my house working on something a, a, a screenplay and we were talking about it and just like that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I mean it's such a fantastic story and yeah. it's one that we were talking about earlier that there's this myth of the 10-year success that's the overnight yeah. success it takes time now did you feel that the accomplishment was done when you create finished the book or did you feel like you couldn't really complete that task in your life until you had it published that's a really great question it, it, there are two kinds of satisfaction i knew um when um i finished cutting the book with the uh, with the agent this was the book Mm-hmm. This was the book that I wanted to write. And Catherine Swan, who's my writing partner, she mm-hmm. reads everything, uh, she said, she she affirmed it. This mm-hmm. was it. We knew it. This was the book. There was nothing else to be done. And I thought, well, it's there in the world. I, I had a really wonderful feeling of satisfaction mm-hmm. about that. And actually, I think, yeah, I wrote a piece for the Huffington Post. You know, mm-hmm. my younger son asked me one day, Mom, was it worth it to mm-hmm. do all that work? And not to have it published, and it was because mm-hmm. I knew I had I had completed something that I really needed to complete. The next satisfaction was having it published, mm-hmm. and the third satisfaction is sharing it with people. And I really love that. I've done some mm-hmm. readings and been at some bookstores. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually be in Barnes and Nobles in in Palm Desert, the place <laughs> where the book got started uh, this Saturday, and I really love sharing it with people and hearing what they get out of it. It surprises me uh, how happy that makes me. But why wouldn't it? It's like, you know, you make this wonderful Mm -hmm. meal, and if you're sitting there looking at it, it's not the same as if there's a full table of people enjoying it. And that's a fantastic analogy, thinking of it like that and that you want to share it. And yet self-publishing didn't feel to you like that would be the end, right? You were hesitant to self-publish. Why I was, was that? I, I was going to do it. I just had a sense that I grew up in New York City, mm-hmm. and I always loved literature and writing, and I was always a wonderful writer. I have my degrees in writing, mm-hmm. um, and I always felt, and I go to New York a lot, and I always felt I made a promise to New York City that I would be a published writer. Mm-hmm. And I had published. I published a young adult novel that sold like crazy, and I was a poet before. But there was a certain book I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I owe this to New York City, which is kind of crazy. But really, when mm-hmm. I went back to New York, and, and Arcade Publishing is right on 31st Street, and I went to meet Cal Barksdale, the mm-hmm. publisher and my editor, I felt so happy. It was like a lifetime of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't imagine standing out there outside of the publisher's office thinking, like, this is it. It's not just an abstract anymore. Yeah. This is the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he's such a lovely man, too. I mean, he was so sweet about it. And it was so wonderful that he... And I, it, the other interesting thing was I was sure that a woman would buy it. I mm-hmm. never thought a man uh, would buy mm-hmm this particular book, but I've been surprised by a number of, lots of men actually, Mm -hmm. who have read it and just loved it. So um, that makes me really happy too, because I really enjoyed writing the male characters, Mm -hmm. and um, um, I like them a lot. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. Why did you feel like this was more of a female-read book? Um, Literary fiction tends to be bought 
uh, by more women. Mm -hmm. Novels uh, tend to be read by more women. And because it's a soft book, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, it's about love, mm -hmm. and it's about community and how people open up to each other. I don't think that that is necessarily um, a book that men will search out, mm -hmm. but I, I'm always wrong, as my sons <laughs> always tell me, you know, when it comes to that. And I'm delighted that both men and women can really enjoy this book. And so what was your first phone call, or who was your first phone call to when you got when you yourself had the call of it, you, the book had been sold? Who did I call first? Yes. I called my younger son, uh, uh, the one uh -huh. who, I sa who said, was it worth it, Mom? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I called my mother. <laughs> and yeah. then my sister. <laughs> and everyone must have been jumping out of their skin as yeah. well, I presume. Yeah. Oh, sadly, though, everybody said, well, we knew it was going to happen, except for Brandon, my younger uh -huh. son. Every, you know, he was uh -huh. a skeptic. But every, and I, you know, uh -huh. nobody was really shocked, uh -huh. but, which is interesting because I was shocked. But there's a difference between being excited, jumping out of your skin, this is amazing, and being shocked that something happened. Yeah. That's not necessarily the same. Yeah, you know, I think... The jumping out of, I mean, I jumped out of my skin because it was, thank goodness, you know, this is over. This journey is over. It has mm -hmm. a real end. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and, and the way other people see you and see your life, mm -hmm. you know, people never see you the way you see yourself. So mm -hmm. they don't, and I think especially if um, it wasn't my first book, mm -hmm. and um, I think just people have faith in me, mm -hmm. you know, more faith than I have in myself. Well, I think that's the case a lot. Right? <laughs> that yeah. is frequently the case. Which is kind of good, actually, to have people that you love have faith in you. Mm -hmm. Better than the opposite, you know, where they don't. Well, they should. Right, yeah. <laughs> they should have faith and be yeah. supportive. And so I understand now that you start all of your writing workshops with some meditation. Yeah. And how do you feel like that's changed? It hasn't, because strangely enough, I have used meditation, which I called five-minute silence, mm -hmm. in my teaching maybe for the last 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, I taught in high school for a while, in, mm -hmm. um, uh, for about three years, and I needed to start that class with silence and also five-minute writing, mm -hmm. where they could tune into themselves. And uh, so it's kind of, and I and it's the same mm -hmm. thing I do in my workshops now. I think it was just this intuitive sense mm -hmm. that if I was going to have a really um, connect, a real good connection mm -hmm. in the class with these kids, with their own ideas and mm -hmm. the ideas of other people, they needed to go in. And it was pretty funny because I got I had a lot of football players. They mm -hmm. they put a lot of football players in my <laughs> classes, and some of them ended up as crazy writers. I mean, they would rush in. C can I be quiet for like 15 minutes? <laughs> or, you know, can I write? I'm going to have to write all class, all the whole uh -huh. class. And that was another delightful surprise. And do you start your own writing with meditation? No. <laughs> I start my own meditation, my own writing like a lot of writers with, with terror and fear. <laughs> I, I do meditate. Um, and actually, if I could take my own advice uh -huh. better, I would do it. Uh, when I do meditate first and then mm -hmm. go right to the desk, um, it helps a little bit. But uh, <laughs> is, that, is that good to hear? Right. Well, I just think it's, yeah. it's a funny coincidence, right, that everyone else in your classes, you must sit down, you must yeah. meditate. But for you, you know, yeah. you, know you <laughs> never take your own advice. <laughs> I mean, I, I think sometimes when I'm desperate, I do. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's like I turn on the computer. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I just get into it, though. Yeah. And you're in the middle of another book right now. Is that right? 
I'm, I'm actually in the middle, and this is a terrible, I'm in the middle of three different books right now. Yeah, one is a nonfiction book called The Power of Our Stories, which is mm-hmm. about this process, helping people um, take this writing and mm-hmm. community building process into their own lives and, and, and their communities. And um, I'm struggling with a new novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very confused by it. I was hoping that I wouldn't have that experience again, mm-hmm. but I am. And then I have the privilege, and I can't really talk about it, but I'm writing a novel based on somebody's life, and it's a very beautiful life. And so I'm in the middle of all of these three worlds. And so is that as a ghostwriter that you're doing someone's yep. life? Now, that's a fascinating turn of events or yeah. fascinating career where you can't actually take credit in the end for your own work. Uh, I right? didn't want to take credit for this. Uh, I could have. She uh, offered it. Oh, really? But I, I'm just trying to do honor to this really beautiful life mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, needs a form. Well, that sounds fantastic. Well, I know we definitely can't wait to read it when when all three of these come out. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> You'll Thank have to you come so and much. let us know. Oh, I, will. I certainly will. <laughs> and yeah. Jackie, where can everyone find you on social media? Um, and, okay. Yeah. So again, yeah. it's JackieParker.co is my website. Uh-huh. And you can find anything you need to know, including workshops there. Or Facebook, Jackie Parker, author. Or... Our Lady of Infidelity, Facebook. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me in studio today. It's been fantastic talking to you. We forgot the most important thing. Your name is Zoe and the main character is Zoe. (laughs) Oh, was that going to be your line? Sorry. That's okay. Okay. That's very true. So there are two Zoes in studio today, you could say. I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zoe Said What. That's Zoe Said What. You can also find me on YouTube at Zoe Hewitt Hosting, where I do a weekly movie analysis show. Thank you so much for joining us for Book Circle Online, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.